Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus, Jesus said, I am, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Living Word. Amen. Amen. I recently read a story about a boy who had spent a week at our diocesan camp and conference center for a week of summer camp. And he had been particularly uncooperative with his counselors, as it turns out, especially, interestingly, grumbling about all the religious stuff he had to do at camp. However... At the closing Eucharist of the week, someone asked the boy to serve the chalice during communion, and his counselors feared disaster. What would this boy say? What would he do? Well, when they went forward, his counselors went forward to receive the wine from this boy, he administered the chalice with these words. This is Jesus. You better like it. <laughs> After focusing the last two weeks on the saga of David in the Hebrew Bible, today we're going to return to our usual focus on Jesus' words in the Gospel passage. This is Jesus. You better like it. Today we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, which explores the mystery of Jesus as the bread of life. The chapter begins with the twin miracles of Jesus 
feeding 5,000 hungry people and then walking on the water. And it continues with three distinct exchanges between Jesus and his listeners on the meaning of Jesus as the bread of life. This teaching climaxes late in chapter 6 with Jesus declaring that those who are really his disciples must eat his flesh and drink his blood. This language is so graphic that his listeners exclaim, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? Well, before going on further, I want to pause for just a minute and do my small part to mitigate the centuries of anti-Semitism that have been based on ill-informed and, and mean-spirited misinterpretation of the phrase that John uses, the Jews. Throughout this Gospel, John most often uses this phrase in a negative way to refer to those who reject Jesus as Messiah. This phrase, the Jews, most likely signifies two categories of people. One being the residents of the 450 square miles or so of the Roman province of Judea, which includes Jerusalem and the surrounding environments to the Mediterranean Sea in the west and um, up and down about 90 miles. The second category that it could refer to is the Jewish religious authorities who had power as well as coercive authority. The phrase the Jews simply cannot refer categorically to all Jews. This for the simple reason that all the first disciples were Jewish. And of course, Jesus himself was a Jew. This gospel in large measure was forged in the aftermath of the tragic rift in the Jewish world over the meaning of Jesus. The Jews who accepted Jesus as Messiah, that is John's community that produced this gospel, separated from Judaism as angry and hurt, but winners of a family fight. And we all know that family fights can be the worst. The winners get to spin the story in this case, the story of Jesus and his opponents, they get to spin that story for posterity. Properly and sensitively interpreted, however, with regard to historical context and theological balance, this gospel cannot support hatred of, of Jesus' own people. Can't do it. Nonetheless, this teaching that we hear in this chapter of John, the teaching about bread and flesh and wine and blood is difficult. Who can accept it? John's Jesus speaks in more graphic Eucharistic language than the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although it's from those three Gospels that we get the so-called words of institution that are said over the bread and the wine every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. Take, eat, this is my body. Drink, this is my blood. Those words don't come from John in the, in the Passover Seder setting that we have them so clearly in, in the other three Gospels. In fact, the Greek word that Jesus uses in John, to give you a sense of how 
graphic this is, the word that Jesus uses in John for eat is actually literally translatable as munch. He talks about munching on my body. doesn't get much more graphic than that. Now all this is worth some examination because for the past 30 years, in the roughly 7,500 parishes in the Episcopal Church, the Eucharist has been the principal act of public Sunday worship. Sunday after Sunday, most of those present in an Episcopal Church come forward to the altar rail, extend their hands, and receive the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. And I hope that, since that's the case, every so often those who come forward ask themselves, well, what is happening here? Is this Jesus? What does that mean? In the 450 or so years since the Anglican Church emerged from the English Reformation, Anglicanism has always contained a spectrum of doctrine about the meaning of the Eucharist. Thomas Cranmer who in 1549 and 1552 crafted the first editions of our prayer book, the prayer book that we still use today, although it's been revised, of course, began with Cranmer. He also gave us our distinctive ethos on the meaning of the Eucharist. Rather than focusing on what happened, what happened to the bread and wine, during the Eucharist, which had been the massive preoccupation of medieval theologians of the Eucharist, rather than focused on what happened to the bread and wine, Cranmer focused on what was happening to the believers who received the bread and wine in the act of receiving communion. This idea was called, in fancy theological language, receptionism. Jesus was really and truly present to those who came and received with a faithful heart. Those who received, or to use Cranmer's language, who partook of the bread and wine with a faithful heart. Consequently, Cranmer's Eucharistic prayers always included petitions, requests, for help in receiving the elements faithfully. We'll see that in a moment in the right one language that we're going to use, that we've already begun to use, uh, which was, is, really Cranmer's language. This emphasis, however, on the receiver is also clearly present in our right to language, the more modern language that we use. The bottom line in all this is that Anglicans have always welcomed a variety of understandings of what happens to the bread and wine during the prayer of consecration, and Anglicans have always emphasized that what really matters is what happens to us, to you and me, after we have received. You may remember that Jesus was always eating with people constantly you may also remember that in the early church the ritual Eucharist was held in the context of a larger meal called the agape meal or love feast 
Unfortunately, we don't do that anymore. The closest we come to a regular full meal context connected with the Eucharist is coffee hour. And although we have a good one, very good one, it's not quite the same as a sit-down meal. We might ask ourselves, though, anyway, well, how does receiving the elements at the rail change us? Uh, What are we like in coffee hour with one another? In a wonderful book called Eat This Bread, which I may have talked about before from the pulpit, this book called Eat This Bread, Sarah Miles writes of walking into St. Gregory of Nyssa Episcopal Church in San Francisco. By her own admission, as an atheist, she had no earthly reason to be there. She'd never heard a gospel reading. She'd never said the Lord's Prayer. She simply had admired the building before as she'd uh, walked by on walks in the neighborhood. But one particular time, she went inside on an impulse. She was a reporter, so she tended to follow her curiosity wherever it took her. And as she writes, before I knew it, someone was putting a piece of fresh bread into my hands and saying, the body of Christ. And someone was handing me a goblet of sweet wine saying, the blood of Christ. And then something, an outrageous and terrifying happened to me. Jesus happened to me, she writes. She goes on to say that the word Jesus lodged in her throat like a breadcrumb. And before she knew it, she had started feeding programs at St. Gregory's that gave away tons of groceries to hungry people. And before she knew it, that first food pantry had multiplied into more than a dozen food pantries around the city of San Francisco. What mattered was what she had become and what she did. Not so much what the bread and wine had become. Closer to home, I had the pleasure of being with some of our St. Stephen's volunteers uh, at the Be Safe program this past Wednesday. As they served lunches to over a hundred hungry children taking part in that program, just at the St. Stephen's site. There are a number of other sites as well. I also had the pleasure of leading worship with a dozen or so spirited elementary school children with full bellies after their lunch. And as I helped Lucy and Linda and Cheryl take the dirty dishes back to the car, I thanked them for all that they had done that day in feeding those hungry young people. I should say in feeding me, too. And one of them joked about the bologna and cheese ministry that they shared with those young people. Bologna and cheese ministry. Nothing could be more true. Jesus in the bread and bologna. What matters is how we are changed by the bread and wine. Are we fed? More important, are others fed through us? That feisty boy at the camp said to his counselors, 
This is Jesus. You better like it. We might say to one another, This is Jesus. You better show it. Amen. Amen.